I'm Pastor Brent from the Door Church. This is our uh, second annual Good Friday service that we've joined forces together to create one fantastic service. So we're, we're really happy to be able to be a part of this. And we're going to be in, in Luke chapter 23 tonight. Um, last year, we started it looking at the, uh, the last sayings of Jesus, seven sayings, and we got through four of them. We're going to get through two more tonight. So next year, I guess we'll all just team up to do the last one. We'll, we'll see how that goes. Maybe it'll be something else. But Luke 23, um, many believe this to be the final saying of Jesus. And, and it starts out in verse 44 by saying this. It was now about the sixth hour, and there was darkness over the whole land until the ninth hour. The sun was darkened, and the curtain of the temple was torn in two. Then Jesus, calling out with a loud voice, said, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. And having said this, he breathed his last. Now when the centurion saw what had taken place, he praised God, saying, Certainly this man was innocent. And all the crowds that had assembled for this spectacle, when they saw that what had taken place, they returned home, beating their breasts. And all of his acquaintances and the women who had followed him from Galilee stood at a distance watching these things. You know, crucifixions at this time were, um, unfortunately, a common occurrence in Rome. And, and it was normal for people to gather to watch these things. But this day would be very different. Three men would go up on crosses. But one of them had caused quite a stir in Jerusalem over the last three years. And, and no doubt there was a buzz about, about this. And, and probably a, a larger crowd than normal had gathered. Try to imagine being there in the crowd, watching and waiting, and then after several hours at the height of the day, noon, the sky suddenly turns dark and the earth begins to shake. Can you imagine the ominous feeling that would come over you at that point? At the same time, the massive thick curtain in the temple that separated the most holy place was torn from top to bottom, kind of like a giant sword had just come down from heaven, slicing it in two. What is going on here? What does this mean? Who is this on that cross? It's recorded that Jesus had spoken two other important phrases around the same moment. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And it is finished. And then finally, what we read in our text tonight, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. When you combine what Jesus said with all that was happening that day, it would have had a profound and terrifying effect on anyone who was there. And we see it illustrated by this Roman centurion and the words that were recorded, all that were there that witnessed what he said. You know, no doubt this soldier and the men under him had carried out several of these. This is probably just another day at the office for them. But nothing like this had ever happened before. The impact of the cross was already having an effect and it continues to this day. The centurion exclaims two very important things. The first thing he says was, certainly this man was innocent. And Matthew's gospel tells us that when the centurion and those who were with him keeping watch over Jesus saw the earthquake and what took place, they were filled with awe, and they said, truly this was the Son of God. Now, can you imagine, Roman centurions probably didn't do much exclaiming at these things. They probably weren't making big pronouncements. It probably wasn't in the, the centurion handbook, you know, just keep your mouth quiet and do, you know, carry the act out. This is unusual. And, and what he says is, is, you know, it says that he praised God. <laughs> that, that doesn't probably happen at most of these, but he praises God and he, and he cries out saying, this man didn't do anything wrong. He's innocent. Imagine a centurion saying that in front of everybody. That's what he said. 
He's admitting that they're crucifying an innocent man. But more than that, he verifies that Jesus is exactly who he said he was. Truly, this is the Son of God. He's exactly who he said he was. And he praises God. He's making a profession of faith. Can you just think about that? Isn't that so amazing? He's convinced, and no doubt in part because of the things that he saw that day, but also the things that he heard Jesus say and the authority with which he said them. The last thing he heard Jesus utter was, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. A person's dying words can tell you a lot. It tells you about who Jesus is and what he accomplished, and, and it gives us a pattern for us to follow not only in death, but also in life. And so I see four important things that we're going to just look at briefly that, that we see in, as Jesus makes his final statement. A calm, a completion, a communion, and a confidence. First, the calm. You know, death is a scary thing. I think if we're, if we're honest, we would all admit death is scary, especially when uncertainty is involved. If you're a fan of Westerns, you know that a, a common question that's asked before somebody dies is, have you made your peace with God? Knowing that you're going to heaven and that you will be received by your maker, it brings you peace, right? Not knowing that for sure does just the opposite. Jesus had that peace. He completely had surrendered to the Father and to his will. And he trusted him implicitly, both in life and also in death. He knew exactly what was waiting for him on the other side. And so with calm assurance, he was able to say, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. And this is the same kind of calm that you and I can experience when we face death if we belong to Jesus. I just spent some time with my mom in Idaho who just got a really bad diagnosis. And I got to have that conversation with her. Are you ready, Mom, if this is your time? Um, it's a hard conversation for a son to have with his mom, and, and yet I want her to have this calm. I want her to have it more than anything else, and I know that the only way she's going to have this is in Christ. You know, we see this displayed for us in the Bible in Acts chapter 7 when Stephen was being stoned by a crowd of angry people because of his faith in Christ. And, and I, you know, it's just amazing to think about in the, in the midst of all of this chaos, all of this accusation, this anger, they're, they're going to stone him to death. And yet it says that his, his, his face looked like the face of an angel. And in verse 55, it says, Stephen, full of the Holy Spirit, gazed into heaven and saw the glory of God and Jesus standing at the right hand of God. And he said, behold, I see the heavens open and the Son of Man standing at the right hand of God. And as they were stoning Stephen, he called out, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. Almost the same thing, right? But he's praying it to Jesus. And Jesus is referred to as the Son of Man in that, which I love. So just as Jesus called out to his Father, you see Stephen calling out to our intercessor, to, 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 to the Son of Man. And I don't want to make too much of this, but every time I, I read this, the way it's worded gets me. And I'm a crier, so I brought tissues just in case. <laughs> When Jesus finished his work on the cross, according to Hebrews 1.3, it says, after making purification for sins, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high. He sat down because the work of salvation was finished. It was, it was done with. And yet, when Stephen sees this, he's, he's being stoned. This is his worst moment. And he looks up, and what does he see? He sees Jesus standing, standing. And I love that picture. Jesus, who knows exactly what it's like to go what Stephen's going through, is not seated anymore. He's standing, ready to receive him. 
arms open. I just love that picture. If that doesn't give you a calm in the face of death, I got nothing better for you. That's pretty good. Jesus is sympathetic to our plight. He's ready to receive us and commend us to his Father. Because Jesus went before us in death, burial, and resurrection, those who trust in him can have full assurance that the Father will receive us in the same way that he received his Son. Now the next thing we see from Jesus' last words is a completion. Jesus came here on a rescue mission to save sinners. And by saying, it is finished, and Father, I I commit um, into your hands, I commit my spirit, he's effectively saying, mission accomplished. My work here is done. There's nothing left for me to do here. I'm coming home. I, I love that. And I love that Jesus is the one who got to decide that. He gets to decide decide when to leave. He can lay his life down. He can take it up again. He has that authority. It wasn't taken from him. He gave his life willingly. And so through these words, we see a work completed, a sacrifice accepted, and the next we see a communion restored. The last saying of Jesus is a quote from Psalm 31. You you probably know that, where, where King David said, into your hands I commit my spirit. But notice Jesus personalizes it. He adds something to this proclamation that would have been unthinkable, actually offensive to any Jewish person that heard it. He adds the word Father. To address God as Father implies a close, intimate, and personal relationship. And that's what Jesus had with him. The Son of God was returning to his Father to be reunited in this glorious homecoming. It speaks of the eternal communion that the Father, the Son, and the Spirit have enjoyed forever And because of what Jesus did on the cross, we're invited into that communion. We're invited to sit at that table. Have you ever thought about that? We get to sit at the king's table as part of his family and feast with with them in that same way. So we see this calm, this completion, and this communion that all culminated in an amazing confidence that Jesus had. He knows exactly where he's going. He knows exactly who will be there waiting for him and he knows exactly how he will be received. That's complete, utter confidence in the face of death. Doesn't that sound good? (laughs) Knowing what's coming next, especially in death, is huge. When you contemplate death, can you think of anything more important than to be completely ready and at ease about what comes next? I, I really can't. Because Jesus went to the cross, we can experience the same things we face in our final hour. Jesus is our forerunner in death. He's gone before us. He's blazed a trail for us to follow. And since he was able to enjoy calm, completion, communion, and confidence in death, we can too. And while these things are are, are wonderful to think about, that we get to enjoy these in the face of death, it gets even better than that because we don't have to wait until death to enjoy these things. We can enjoy them right now, today, these very same things by crying out exactly what Jesus cried out, Father, into your hands right now I commit my spirit. We get to say that every day and enjoy these things. Calm. When the world is spinning out of control all around us, don't know if you've noticed that, but that happens every once in a while these days. We get to have a calm in the midst of the storm, knowing that God is on his throne, that he has a plan, that he has a purpose, and that it's being accomplished perfectly. Completion. We also get to enjoy the peace of knowing that we are complete in Christ, that the work that he did on our behalf is finished. Our sins are forgiven. 
we are justified, sanctified, and will be glorified. Our lives are hidden in Christ. I love that picture so much that when God looks down, he doesn't see sinful Brent. He sees his righteous son and me clothed in that righteousness. And that is, you know, my one defense, my righteousness. Oh, Lord, how I need you. I can sing that song in earnest. We have a salvation and a future home that is firmly established, a kingdom that cannot be shaken. And then this communion that's talked about. Because Jesus has done this for us on the cross, we can have communion with God. We've been brought into this family, this inner circle, to enjoy fellowship with the triune God. That should blow your mind every day. The veil was ripped in two so that sinful people can now have access to a holy God. Do you realize the price that was paid for you in order to be able to do that, to have access, that, that we actually get to come boldly now before him as father? It's kind of crazy. We've been adopted into this family. And all of this finally just gives us a confidence that no matter what comes our way, God has handled it. Nothing comes through into our lives that hasn't gone through the screen of a loving father who loves you and knows what's best for you and wants what's best for you. He's always accomplishing more than we can imagine even when we don't understand it. And that gives me great confidence. The end of this story has been written. Jesus wins and we win along with him. He won the victory over sin and death at the cross. He won that for you, which means that we can also enjoy that victory our, ourselves. The final saying of Jesus is a quote from Psalm 31. The rest of it says this. It's a wonderful thing to contemplate. For you are my rock and my fortress, and for your namesake you lead me and guide me. You take me out of the net they have hidden for me, for you are my refuge. Into your hand I commit my spirit. You have redeemed me, O Lord, faithful God. Boy, talk about famous last words. These are great words to die by, but they're more importantly great words for us to live by. Because of what Jesus went through on the cross, you and I, at our dying hour and right now, can say with confidence, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. Thank you, Father, for Jesus. Thank you for the cross. Thank you for, for loving sinners like us and providing a way for access to you.